chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I am thrilled to have Stephanie Winslow on the show today. Stephanie is the founder of Blindspot Consultants, where she partners with women entrepreneurs to help them build lean processes and strategic plans that will enable them to live their best life. Well, Stephanie, I am so excited to have you here today. You and I met, I want to say, was it through Greg Atchison? I know a lot of people who know you, and I reached out one day and just said, hey, I'm tired of knowing everyone around you, and let's Let's, Let's get together yeah. and connect. And so I'm so glad that we did. So thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait for our listeners to hear your story. And I know that you're going to be very helpful to the listening audience. So growing up for you, did you grow up in St. Louis? I grew up on the Illinois side okay, in Granite City, which is a blue-collar, steel-working town. Lived there until I was in sixth grade. We moved to Edwardsville. And at that time, we made the decision to do private school, so I was actually driving from Edwardsville to Whitfield School in town and country, so made a pretty long commute every day, and my brother and I drove together, and so my parents made a big commitment to our education, and through my senior year, we lived in Edwardsville. Then my parents and I moved to the Clayton area, so I've kind of bounced around. I now live in Chesterfield, so I've lived in the St. Louis area, mm-hmm. metropolitan the greater, area. For, yeah, the metropolitan area. For, for most of my life. Right. Yeah. Okay. So your dad was the founder of, and I guess your mom was involved in the business yes. too, right? Yep. Gateway Packaging. Correct. Now, I believe we had something in common, too, because I'm in YPO. I've been in Young Presence organizations since mid-2000s, I guess, and mm-hmm. your dad, right, yep. was a YPOer? Yes. So, YPO gold now. <laughs> well, I know. Me, too. I've, I've graduated. Tell me a little bit about Gateway Packaging, and then I'm going to ask you a couple more questions about that. So Gateway Packaging started out of my parents' basement. My dad was a corrugated box salesman, and my mom was an elementary school teacher. So they would do their normal jobs, come home, take care of us. They started the business the year that I was born, and my brother was two at the time. So they started brokering products and then eventually ended up starting their own manufacturing company, printing UPC labels for private label packaging. 
So that business grew from the two of them, and uh, one of my cousins was running the printing press on a, a little garage thing, to in 2010, we ended up selling to a private equity group, and we were at 350 employees and $75 million in sales. Our customers were Nestle Purina. We did a lot of the major pet food brands. So if you Mm -hmm. know Beneful or the Purina One brands, we printed a lot of their paper bag packaging and did pouches. On the human food side, a lot of the business was private label. So Gilster Mary Lee is one of our biggest customers. And whether it's preformed pouches or labels or lidding for little cream cheese things, we kind of touched it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were known for our high-quality printing. Mm -hmm. So you were a baby, though, right? You'd just been born? When they first started and they were brokering product, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I was a baby. Right. So they were working, you know, burning the midnight oil, so they say. um, And they were both involved in the business, both your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that growing up? Because that can have its challenges. I mean, Greg and I co-founded Technology Partners. We've, We've learned to work work it, you know, and stay in our swim lane. So do you remember, though, as a young girl, like what piece of the business did your dad do versus what your mom did? My dad was more in charge of sales and operations, and my mom was all the admin. So, Mm -hmm. you know, back office, yep, all the HR, keeping things organized and running the books and all the counting stuff at the beginning. And so she did more of the administrative side. He was more the face and going out and getting the business. and, And then once they were manufacturing. He went and bought equipment and trained people on how he actually ran printing presses himself and kind of did all the operations aspects of it. So I I got to see them learn and grow and develop. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of nights when we would have dinner and then go and my parents would be running the printing presses and filling orders and my brother and I would bring our sleeping bags and we'd sleep on a wood pallet and on the sleeping bag. (laughs) And that's just how life was. I didn't know any different. But you got to see firsthand how a business was ran. So I believe you and your brother were involved in the business stuff, right? So was that after college or did you go right into the business or did you do something else before you went into the family business? So, you know, growing up when you see the level of commitment and the sacrifice that individuals make, my parents made to grow this business, to be quite honest, I was burnt out on it. You know, it didn't matter if we were in the car, where we were going, there was, it was always always business. (laughs) It is always focused on that. So I really got burnt out on it. So I'm, I'm not doing that. So I, Ended up getting my degree from Ohio Wesleyan University in Spanish and education. When I graduated from college, my husband and I ended up doing campus ministry and getting our master's degrees in Pennsylvania at a school called Geneva College. So we did that, and I taught high school Spanish for a few years, and then I really felt like it was time to come home. Mm-hmm. And so talking to my parents at that time, like, okay, we're, we're going to move back, and my husband isn't from the area. He's from Texas and Colorado, so it was a new adventure for him too. His background was in computer science. Mine was in Spanish and education, so I ended up getting a position at my parents' company in marketing something I always was interested in. Mm -hmm. And quickly from there, I was frustrated by the samples that we had because I was constantly trying to get new business and promote our company. But the samples that I had were just random things that people brought. And so I thought, this is crazy. So I asked too many questions and 
lo and behold, I ended up taking over in the quality department and doing a lot of root cause analysis and that kind of thing. And as my tenure there grew, I was leading continuous improvement efforts Mm -hmm. there. And Mm -hmm. so I became certified in lean manufacturing and that really was my heart's pitter pattern. Yeah, Yeah, you loved it. It gets in your blood. So the thing about lean manufacturing and about business in general that I love is you can, you know, make a change. You can implement something, solve a problem, and see the result of it. It's very tangible. Mm -hmm. Where in life, (laughs) outside of the business world, things don't always work that way. Right. So you can make changes or suggest things to people in their life, but they may or may not embrace it. But I bet your mom and dad loved that. Because they saw that you truly, you had that moxie, if you will, to improve the business and move it forward for the future. So we talk about continuous improvement all the time at Technology Partners. You know, there's always a better way to do something. You always need to be on the lookout for it. So you definitely had some skill set there, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, my parents, too, were very open about you're not going to have a position here just because of who you are, Mm -hmm. that if you want to work here... We're happy to make that happen. And but you little sister, you will be working. And, you know, I never expected that anyway. And because I saw them work so hard, that is what I expected. So when you step into a family business, there's a lot of pressure really around you to perform and to not just be a seat at the table, but to earn that seat. Mm-hmm. And some people that you work with, they're going to push your buttons and they're going to make sure that you you are earning that seat. That you're not entitled just because of your last name, Absolutely. right? Yeah. <laughs> where, where was your identity at this point, Stephanie? My identity was absolutely 100% in my performance. And I became so hungry and thirsty for solving everything that came my way. And I put a lot of stock in being able to do that through my training. I could do that with root cause analysis and walking a problem out. And I did. So really, there wasn't anything that I ever said no to. I'll mm-hmm. solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, when- and did you always solve it? Or how did you do that? I mean, because there there had to have been things that came your way that you're like, I've never seen this before. I mean, did you have a group of trusted advisors that you would lean into? Or is Stephanie just so amazing at this <laughs> that you, you could figure it out all on your own? I would say the thing that I was good at was making the connections and knowing where to go to find the answer. So I didn't always have the answer, but mm-hmm. I could figure out who I needed to go to and talk to what lever I needed to pull to get an answer or to move the problem forward at least. And then, yes, being surrounded by a team of people who were incredibly knowledgeable and spending a lot of time machine side with people who have been running the machines for 20 years and talking to them and getting their buy-in about, you know, one of my favorite projects was we had a paper bag machine that we were tasked with figuring out how we were going to run plastic on it. Paper and plastic are very different things. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, sure. And at first I had a lot of pushback from the operators because, again, they've been doing the same thing for 20 years. So they, Mm -hmm. of course, knew how hard it was going to be. But we had over the course of a couple of months, several conversations, several trials. And then at the end, it happened. We ended up running plastic through our paper bag machine 
And that whole thing just bound our teams within the bag department together, our supervisors, our quality team, because all of us were fighting toward the same mm-hmm. goal. And we just never gave up. We never mm-hmm. let no be the answer. Wow. I mean, that is just amazing because, I mean, you would have had to gone out and, uh, you know, had a big capital expenditure to buy another machine. That's what you didn't want to do, right? You wanted to be able to do both mm-hmm. with that particular machine. Well, well, it's a little bit of a segue into what you're doing today because now you are, after you guys sold the business to this PE firm, you became the president of one of the divisions, right, that you Correct. didn't sell, Flowpack, mm-hmm. and you did that for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, you're doing all kinds of different things, but one of the things is your blind spot consulting company. Yes. You're going in and helping women entrepreneurs primarily or any entrepreneur with their business? I tend to work mostly with women and then also family-owned businesses because that's what I know. Um, right. And can kind of help navigate the messy layers of that that sometimes exist. And honestly, my, my heart is for small, medium-sized companies, and that's where I go. It's the lifeblood. I read a report the other day, Small Business Administration put out Small businesses account for 44% of the economic activity in our country. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with Stephanie Winslow. Let's face it, the future is mobile. There's a good chance that you are listening to this show right now on your phone. Have you explored how you can move your business mobile too? Our mobile apps team at Technology Partners makes it their mission to move our clients into the hands of their employees and customers and change their business processes to meet the demands of their users. Let's work together and build a dynamic mobile app for your team. Go to tpi.co slash mobile apps and get the conversation started about how we can help you get your new application off the ground. So, Stephanie... I have to ask you, how did technology play into what you were doing at Gateway Packaging? Technology was a big part of our everyday. We ran some very large offset printing presses that were all computer automated and then, you know, that has to interface with our production reports and whatnot. So technology was a big part of what we did. And then we were moving a lot of our systems to technology instead of having people write out their paper forms that they you know would have written for quality mm-hmm. checks or whatever. A lot of that was being moved. Um, my husband was one of the main IT people at Gateway at the time, and he built a lot of the programs in our good old AS400 system that we used, you know, and it was all customized based on our needs. So, mm-hmm. and one of the things that was awesome about that is you have the problem of what you're trying to get done, but you have to be able to communicate how that gets done mm-hmm. and all the little steps. And so technology helped us a lot. Right. So at some juncture, you said, okay, I think I'm done with this and I feel called to do something else. And so now you're you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a blogger. So talk about that transition. And then what I want you to talk about, I know Ascent to Hope was your first book. Is that correct? That's correct. What was it that inspired you? to write Ascent to Hope. At the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, I really felt that I was being called out of the business world to pause my life and really focus on writing because there was a message that people needed to hear. And the message is 
when they're not alone. Though you may feel like you're struggling with addiction or with alcoholism in your family, you're not the only one. Actually, the statistics now are one in two families, so half. (laughs) Half Mm -hmm. of all families have an addiction issue of some sort. So whether it's an opioid addiction, whether it's alcohol, gambling, you name it. So if it's one person that has an issue, you know, if you think about the, the dynamic of a family, there's at least two other people that are affected, if not a whole oh, lot of other people. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really a big deal. And because of the environment that I personally grew up in, it wasn't just a high-performing and entrepreneurial family, but I also grew up in a pretty legalistic um, church environment as well. And so having this perfection sort of look on the outside of everything put together, you know, just smile all the time, we're all fine, tucked in and freshly pressed was sort of the thought process and mentality. And while, you know, I understand not wanting to air all of our dirty laundry at the same time, we were walking through some really hard days and walking through them alone. When I was called out of the business world to start writing, that was the story of, I want you to tell your story, Stephanie. So I had to tell the story from the perspective of we were in the middle of our journey. I didn't have a happy ending and I didn't have a tragedy. We were walking it out day by day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really from the middle. And I thought, what in the world? How can I offer hope to people from this place? But there is hope in the middle of the mess. So that's what I really want people to know is that if you're facing a mess, you're sitting in it, you're in the muck, uh, surrounded by stinky pigs or, you know, however you're feeling, that there is hope. And if you're facing an addiction, one of the things that I want people to find through Ascent to Hope and through just hearing my story is to break down the walls of shame. I'm the one to raise my hand and say, we're the one. We're the family who did all the right things, quote unquote. You know, we we did the church thing. We were hardworking. We were generous. We did all these things. And yet, here's this elephant in our family mm-hmm. that we have to and figure out. you didn't out. talk about it. No. Mm-hmm. For a long time, we didn't right. talk about it. So, I, you know, we worked in a family business, and my brother is the one who was struggling with alcoholism. And so it got to the point, and I saw my dad. He's the most courageous person that I know because I saw him have to stand in front of a company of people and say, my son is struggling with alcohol and he will be leaving for 30 days to go to a, a rehabilitation program. Because Zach was in the business too, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. I think, was he in sales? Is that what, he wore, what he, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. He wore a lot of hats, right. but yeah, his the longest stretch was, was mm-hmm. in sales when mm-hmm. he did production management and he sat in so many different seats and he he's so good at his job. And I think that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. About it Mm -hmm. is the person has so many great attributes. Their heart is so good and their character is so good, Mm -hmm. but they're struggling. So you really want to just turn a blind eye to it. You want to pretend like it's not happening. Mm -hmm. You want to brush it off. Oh, no, it's not really that bad. But at some point, it starts affecting your day-to-day life and their Mm day-to-day life. And it has to be addressed and confronted at some level. And, you know, there's lots of ways to do that. And one of the things that we talk about or I talk about in Ascent to Hope is the timing of an intervention. And that's the path that we 
chose to do with our family. That's not right for everyone. You did talk about that, though, Stephanie, and that brings up a point when you guys did decide to do the intervention and he was going to go off and go into a recovery situation. You thought that was a silver bullet. Mm -hmm. Good. We got through that. Now he's going to go. He's going to come back. He's going to be the old brother that I knew. Mm -hmm. And that was not really the case, right? Yeah. I hope that this doesn't cause less hope for people, but just understanding the process of what typically happens Mm -hmm. through addiction and recovery, that there is no, like you said, silver Silver bullet. bullet. There is no panacea. There's just... It's everybody is on their own different journey. And the number one thing that I have learned through all this and for 10 years of trying to work through this and and battle it is love conquers all. As much as I want to fix and I want to save and I want to manipulate and step in and put together all the right programs or send him to all the right things or invite him to things, if I do all of those things, and I did this, (laughs) Uh I'm talking to myself, preaching to the choir. Uh, I tried to do all those things, but was really a void of love. It Mm -hmm. was empty because I wasn't loving him. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because, I mean, I think we probably have all been guilty of that. When you see the person that is maybe doing something destructive, Mm -hmm. and I think Marshall is the one that really kind of said, Steph, (laughs) where's the love, you know? And, And so you said that it changed you and how you approached that going forward. So can you just do a little bit deeper dive on that, you know, because it's easy to talk about all the things that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things, the part that you were talking about is I see this stain and actually that was just from a Tide commercial I heard and it just sparked in my mind like, oh my goodness, that is how I am viewing my flesh and blood is I see the alcoholism. I don't see him. Once that happened for me and my eyes were kind of open to that, I started thinking, oh my goodness, I have been doing so many things wrong. Um, And I really started to love him. But Marshall actually caught me in a moment of do crazy things through trying to fix and and save people. But I was digging through my brother's office one day and playing the detective role, trying to find evidence that there was a problem. And Marshall happened to walk by. And uh, (laughs) this good thing, I guess, about family business is you can never hide. You can never (laughs) run. Yes. Um, But anyway, so he just said to me, you know, you're looking for evidence, but the evidence isn't going to stop the problem and isn't going to stop him. He's going to do what he's going to do, but you have a choice and you can either choose to love him in spite of the choices that he's making, or you can go to war with him Mm -hmm. and it's really your choice. Right. And that was hard to hear. You probably weren't happy at first (laughs) with with Marshall's assessment of the situation. But when you thought about it, it's like, wow, how would I feel? Yep. I spent many days with boxing gloves on that, you know, I wanted to fight everything and everyone because I felt so out of control that this one thing had no solution that I could do anyway. It wasn't up to me. So you speak on this now, right, Mm -hmm. Stephanie? And this isn't your last book. You have a brand new book that just came out that I recently downloaded on my Kindle. It's from the shop floor to the boardroom. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that book? And if someone were to buy that book, what would they find? So From the Shop Floor to the Boardroom is an effort to help people understand their faith and their work don't have to be in separate buckets, that we're actually invited to bring faith and work together, and that when we do, we actually will thrive 
better in our work environment because our whole self is now invested. So from the shop floor to the boardroom is an eight-week devotional that covers different topics. So it's five days a week for the eight weeks, but it's offering wisdom for everyday business Mm -hmm. issues that arise. And from the shop floor to the boardroom is my journey that I did a lot of work on the shop floor and, and then got to also sit in boardroom meetings and with the executive leadership team. And doesn't matter what seat I was sitting or who I was communicating with, mm-hmm. it was all about my character and all about my heart um, and what I brought to the table. The wisdom, I think, is found there. Mm-hmm. So that's what that book is about. It's really just quick hits, 60 seconds a day, and trying to just spur thought and get your mind focused. Everybody should go get it. So this is something extra. I said, who who is somebody in your life that's been impactful to you, and what was there something extra? And you talk about Marshall. Yeah. So tell us about Marshall, and you've already touched on it a little bit, but I want you to crystallize it a little more. So Marshall um, is a unique individual in that he is a, an IT guy. So technology is his thing. He, he understands the technical sides of, mm-hmm. of what he does very well. But he is very much a people person and a communicator. and Which is sometimes you don't find both of those things, yes. right? So so I describe him as a translator because um, when I worked with him, there were times uh, when we were developing programming and whatnot where I was you know, made to feel like not very smart because right. I didn't know the IT language sure. or you know, even really know what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. But he never made us feel that way. And you know, creating a program from scratch, from nothing, is very hard. And so having to navigate all of those steps, he was very good about knowing what questions to ask. And mm-hmm. he would spend time out on the on shop, the shop floor, floor <laughs> talking to people and mm-hmm. trying to understand their process and how if I make this change, how is it going to impact down mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. And really being that translator between what needed to happen on the floor, what needed to happen in, in the program, and then the work that his team needed to do right. uh, on the back end and creating the programs. There's a lot of really great IT people stuff that say you got to spend time where the work is being done. Mm-hmm. Gimba. I think it yep, is. That's right. um, you go you go to where the work is being done. Um, Edouard DeVries was just on the show recently, and he said the same thing. He said, your IT people need to go to whatever Panera is a client, for instance. He said, go to the cafe mm-hmm. and see how they're working. You know, And if you are that type of person that seriously is that translator, that's really what we need. We need this consultant mindset that understands the business, sees the business, and then sees how technology can enable mm-hmm. what's being done or or make it more efficient operationally. Right. So sounds like that's Marshall. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, another benefit of working in a privately held family-owned business is you get the opportunity to see a lot of things. And so his understanding of the business in general Mm -hmm. of of how the accounting system works and how the quality system works and how the production system works and just every aspect of Mm -hmm. it, how they interact. And how they interact with one another. Yeah. It's really important. So is there a time in your leadership journey, Steph, where there was a misstep? 
I tend to be a vision person. Actually, Marshall says I, I live in the future and in the past. I, I reflect <laughs> a lot, but I also like to look in the future mm-hmm, a lot. So mm-hmm. as I'm visioning for going forward, I, I sometimes get sidetracked. And not that they're not valuable or mm-hmm. good things. It's just they take away from what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes. And I let the urgent or what feels urgent or exciting take over what's really important. Mm-hmm. So my leadership, I kind of whipsawed in my earlier years because I did allow those shiny things to take over. And so when I started recognizing that, oh, <laughs> I need to get focused. focused. <laughs> yeah. And really, and mm-hmm. this is one of the things that I help clients do now is come up with their vision statements and, and strategic plans and core values because the core values become that set of rules that if it doesn't align with these things, then the answer is no. And of course, mm-hmm. over time, those things can be adjusted and whatnot, right. but it's really a quick check to say, is this venture I want to go off on over here in alignment with who I say that I am mm-hmm. and what I want to be? So that is what you help businesses with today? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Because I think probably a lot of people struggle with that very thing that we were just talking about. So what do you believe is something extra that every leader needs stuff? From what I've seen, and I think back a lot to my mom and dad because they're the best people that... I know, uh, in terms of leadership and what they did, it's really humility and knowing where your blessing is coming from, not taking the people around you for granted. My dad, even when the business was the size that it was at the 350 people and $75 million in sales, that he would go out on the plant floor and look people in the eye, shake their hands. He knew their names. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And it was those moments you know, and also walking through the plant, seeing him pick up trash and mm-hmm. knowing what is, is valuable and it's in the little things. And if I'm being a good steward of the little things, then the big things take care of right. themselves. So I think leadership within humility and recognizing that it's the people around you that help you become who you are and, right. and grow. The organization does not operate <laughs> without the people, right? And just having an appreciation for those people and gratitude for the people that, that are helping the business. So we've already talked about this a little bit, but do you have three books now, Stephanie? Or There are actually four. There's four. Okay, see, I did not realize that. So what are the books, and can you find them on Kindles? or You can find them on Amazon book retailers. You can find them on my website, which is stephaniewinslow.com. And if you just search for my name on Amazon, um, it'll come up there too. So Ascent to Hope was the first book, and since then I've written a companion, a small group leader guide. Oh, good. So the vision for that is whether, you know, it's in churches or wherever, you can uh, walk through it with a small group and really dig deep. And it's about a lot of personal reflection. So get ready for the ride on that one. And then from the shop floor to the boardroom is a devotion book. And then I have a, another devotion book called Ascent to Know Him. And it is about the attributes of God and really what I was taught as I was asked to step away from what I was very comfortable doing into a place of writing and feeling like my identity was just stripped and I had to be rebuilt. And so this is what I learned kind of on that journey. Very good. Well, again, thank you so much for being here today. This has just been so delightful, and um, I want to continue our conversation offline, but for now we need to say goodbye, and thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.